fucking yourself there, my Jew, as you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> I, was cla- I was clapping for you. It's just, you know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but I've picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years of my tour from techie to CMO and trusted advisor. And each week I chat to some true rock stars, my fabulous guests and chums, and hopefully share with you some Martin Street knowledge that will inspire your inner rock star. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn and proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This episode was recorded on Friday the 17th of June. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff Clark and I take a look at a B2B marketing research report recently published by LinkedIn. I welcome back Kathy McKnight, Chief Problem Solver at the Content Advisory, who shares a passion project. And I wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with my chum, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. This You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, I'm joined by my chum, Jeff Clark, experienced B2B marketing leader and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director. And our chat this week is inspired by a suggestion from the listener. Welcome, Jeff, back to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me back. Jolly good. You're clapping yourself there, my you as you arrived in the room. <laughs> yeah, I, was cla- I was clapping for you. It's just, you know. <laughs> well, you we should be clapping for your guitar last week, mate. That was amazing. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I only played a, like a, a 30 seconds of it, but I know you played the whole song for me. That was fantastic. Oh, I know. You know, I went on for hours and then you said, stop. And I'm, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, and also, uh, I don't know if you noticed, we also had the birds accompanying that particular conversation as well, yeah. tweeting out your side, your windows. That was lovely. That's right. That's right. They're my and, social my social tweeters. Right. Well, there's a couple of things we've got to cover uh, because there's a new thing on the agenda that we forgot last week and I haven't been watching. How are our um, how are our, bas- our official basketball to- team of Rockstar CMO doing? what? <laughs> the Boston Celtics, wasn't it? Oh, the Celtics. Yeah. Oh, they're behind. They're behind. Oh, they're behind right. three to two. Oh, wait. No. Yeah, three to two. So they've uh, tonight they have to even the score, and um, so we'll see what happens. We'll yes, see. I, I realized after we chatted about them that I'm familiar with them from the video for by the House of Pain for Jump Around from I don't know, ah. and, then, and one of them is wearing a Boston Celtics uh, basketball top, and I realized that after we were chatting. So there's a musical oh. connection, which is always good. 
so that's the local sports, local local weather, yes. my friend. How are we doing? <laughs> weather, well, weather's fine. The uh, the sun is out, and yes. um, yeah, it's been it's been absolutely beautiful. Yes, we we we've got a really sunny hot day, and we're at the point now where British people say it's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's crack on. So uh, this week we are again inspired by a friend of the show, Irene Nehon Kane, who uh, I should say, I recommend people go back through our little back catalogue and listen to me chatting to her, so you get to know who Irene uh-huh. is. Yeah, absolutely. But um, she recommended that we took a look, and I say we in the broadest sense, really, she's talking about you, Jeff, because you're the brain <laughs> of the operation. <laughs> we take a look at the five principles of growth in B2B marketing, uh, which was by the B2B Institute that's funded by LinkedIn, and the actual authors were Les Binnett and Peter Field, right? Yes. And, and you had a good old look through this, and they had, luckily for this show, because we tend to have a theme of five things, they have uh, five principles. Uh, what do you say to their principles, Jeff? I, you know, I um, yes, they, I think they did a very good job at staying within our bounds of uh, yes. it's got to be more than four <laughs> and less than eight. So you know, anyway, so it um, I you know I thought it actually was a, a really interesting report. Now the mm-hmm. the, uh, the spoiler alert is that these guys are career ad men. I mean, they mm-hmm. they they are advocates of advertising, and they're doing yeah. this. The B two B Institute is is funded by linkedin which likes advertisers so mm-hmm. um so uh you know i mean these guys are very um analytical i mean they're 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 math guys and so they're uh-huh. they're they're looking at this thing from a data perspective but just yeah. thought i would <laughs> give everybody yeah. the the spoiler <laughs> alert that that uh, they're out there advocating for uh, more advertising not less um <laughs> I, I'm, so I'm, I'm listening there and uh, so you detected a slight bias then jeff <laughs> I, you know, I mean, human beings were all we're all biased. Um, but you know, if you if you've got if you have good, um, you know, supporting points behind your perspective, it should be respected. Yes, absolutely. So, I'll include a link to the report in the show notes. So, yeah. what what did you make of their five? Well, I mean, I think the the um, so the overall point um, mm-hmm. before we get into the five is that is that is that you know you should you need to be investing in your brand you know and not doing that so not 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 investing your brand at the expense of more short-term demand generation or activation you know they they put it in the category of activation activities and um which i think that we would agree with i think you know many of the people on this this uh the listeners would, would agree with that in in general um but they get into some very you know, good specifics. And they, you know, they, they um, talked about some, some things that, that, you know, were, were kind of eye opening. The only 4% of B2B marketers measure impact beyond six month period of time. So it's like, right. we're not, everything is very short term. We're not yeah. looking out as to what our impact is over the long term. Mm-hmm. Only 30% of B2B marketers believe advertising has an impact on the pricing power of their products. Um, on over 65%, you know, believe that business, uh, businesses grow by increasing loyalty, not customer acquisition. Again, they would argue that's, that's really counter to what people should yeah. be thinking about. It's more effective to be, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's more effective to spend your dollars on customer acquisition because marketers are not having a big impact on, on loyalty. Right. Um, not the loyalty is not important. You know, it's not that those things mm-hmm. aren't important. It's just that what, what should marketing be spending 
money on. And, they, and so basically they, they look at, they, yeah, they're this, mm. in this report, there's this fancy equation, which probably took me most of my time reading the report to figure out what the equation said. <laughs> um, but basically gets the idea that, you know, you're trying to look for adopters and you're going to hit a point of diminishing marginal returns because, mm-hmm. the, you know, you've got a certain market you've got certain people going to be early adopters. You're going to, those early adopters are going to generate some momentum for other people to follow mm-hmm. along. But, you know, at some point, you know, you're going to run out of, out of room and you need mm-hmm. to be thinking about how am I expanding my market or, but, but, you know, how am I also investing so that I maximize my, my returns on, uh, on more right. of those short-term activities. Right. Right. And uh, go Sorry. ahead. No, no, I was I was thinking that was interesting because I, I was going to try and jump in before you went into the five because I thought that second point only thirty percent of B two B marketers believe advertising has an impact on pricing power. That suggests that B two B marketers don't believe that a good brand can drive up your can enable you to charge more. Right? Is that basically Ab- what they're saying? Absolutely, a- yeah. and also the fact that that um, you know what do you have that can help yeah. impact the brand and, and so yeah. that's where, where people might yeah that you know they might not think of the importance of advertising I mean I think advertising certainly in my experience I mean one of my first roles uh, at a large you know mid-sized software company was running the advertising yeah. they, the company thought that that was important but as I've gone to other companies it's like you know we, we don't want to do that you know even no. as you moved from you know more print to more digital, it was, yeah. you know, it was not necessarily something that the companies uh, were, well, this, were keen to invest in. This is an interesting rabbit hole, wouldn't it be to go down? Because I think you're right. I think especially in B2B, we're, not, we're very mono focused, aren't we, on paid PPC. And we've been trained by Google that you put yep. money in and you get money out. Right. So yeah. um, the idea of advertising in the classic sense is gone. Although I think nowadays paid social is becoming more like old school advertising in the you you can't always attribute the impact it's making on your your brand. I've seen examples of this quite recently where you can't attribute we the, the a PPC program was running it it couldn't be attributed to any success. It stopped and suddenly the leads dried up. It's like yep. you know there's cumulative things around the brand, isn't it, that happens yep. and, and we yep. seem to think everything should be measurable. The other thing that 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 is uh, you know which I didn't find in the report that it did a really yeah. good job of necessarily defining what do they mean by advertising? Because then, then yes. they, it's like, well, do I, so yeah. obviously it's not just yeah. print ads, you know, it's yeah. digital ads, but is it, does it include, you know, my paid search doesn't include, uh, it, it, you know, and they, mm. and actually one of the first uh, principles is invest in your share of voice. Well, share yeah. of voice often uh, can be interpreted as not just my part of my, my, the paid, advertising market but you know my, my share of the paid advertising but it couldn't yeah. lose the share of the social market or you know other things uh you know and thinking about pr and other ways mm-hmm. that that your your uh, your voice gets out there if you will mm-hmm. so so they're not really tight on the definitions but um but anyway i think i think that the 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 points the the principles they have make sense uh right, irrespective so so this first point about investing in share and voice, this is invest in, in two sides of this, isn't it? It's to invest in measuring your share of voice and the second part, presumably, right? Because you're going to need to do that, aren't you? And then to do activities that then move the needle on share of voice, not so much maybe on traditional things like leads. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and, and the, but the, 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 the basic part of the point is that you, know, you should be investing, if you want to grow 
increase your growth uh, yeah. rates. You should be yeah. investing more in the share of voice than, or I should say your share of voice should be higher than your share of market. Right. So I know those two things aren't, aren't, you know, exactly yeah. parallels, but it's like, yeah. if you just look at it from a percentage perspective and say, you know, I've got 50% of the advertising share yeah. out there, but I'm, I'm only at, uh, or actually, maybe I'm at sixty-five percent of the market share. Then, yeah. then obviously, I'm going to be lagging in terms of my yeah. growth rate. Now, if I yeah. switch that around so that I'm yeah. investing at sixty-five percent of the market, yeah. where I have both, I've got you know fifty percent market share, then I'm going to be expecting my growth to be accelerating. Yeah, no, and I it, get it. it and and it varies a little bit by by sector. But the big point they make is that is that these are things that uh, business to consumer. Uh, businesses have have understood for a long time, but business mm -hmm. to business marketers and business to business companies have thought you know, that only really applies in the consumer market. And so a lot oh, of these I things see. are saying, you know what, this yeah. actually applies as much yeah. in B two B as it does in B two C, and it might be a little bit less if I'm selling, uh, I don't know, transistors to mm -hmm. you know to uh, amplifiers, but but it doesn't necessarily. But but that ratio, you know, the, the fundamental, the principle still exists, even though, uh, mm. you know, it might be a slight differential between yeah. that and other industries. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I I can see that. So so basically, you're saying that there's there's the metric of share of market, which is where you are today, and share of voice is is a mark is a is a is an indicator of where you'll be after that. So if your share of voice is shrinking, likely your share of market will be shrinking. So your share of voice is always good to be higher than your share of market. Right. Correct. Um, cool. So what's your, you what's the second point you picked up? They, they the, second, the second point is to balance brand and activation. So again, oh, yes. we could, we could mm -hmm. you know, broadly characterize the brand investment as advertising and broadly characterize activation as what am I doing, you know, to get leads and help close leads. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, it's like, this is one of the things, yes, we may all agree that there should be a balance, but, but it really, it's kind of close to 50, 50%. So it's like they said on average, um, you know, the brand building should be like 46% of your spend and the brand and the activation of demand should be around 54%. So it's pretty darn close to, to, uh, to 50, 50. Mm -hmm. And what the brand building does is it reduces the price sensitivity. You're basically, yeah. you're yeah. setting the market up so that they are taking a favorable opinion of you. And we'll get into that a little bit later as to what, how that really works. Um, and and you're making this is one of the things I always remember is the truism about advertising. Your advertising will make your close rates work better. It'll make your uh, you know your demand metrics work better. So you're basically you know you're you're putting yourself forward in the market to make sure that those short term activities um, are more successful. Mm -hmm. So. Um well, but the interest, and I'm not sure we've got time to go into this, but it, I'm interested here in how I think, how, do they explain in the port, report how they define brand and activation? Um, because obviously it, brand, often brand building involves a level of activation. It's just that activation isn't, at, you don't try and activate that yeah. revenue growth. Yeah, they're 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 explicitly saying uh, activation is the short term bottom of the funnel activities, uh, right? Whereas we the, whereas the that. brand is the top yeah. of the funnel. Yeah, um, almost are. before you're before you get into yeah. engagement. Yeah, 
So, uh, yeah, so we'd probably normally call that demand gen then, really, wouldn't we, at yeah. that stage of the funnel, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what's, what's, what's the third uh, principle they've got? Expand your customer base. Okay, uh, right. so and move on to the fourth then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, because <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. Ex- oh, and I say, it seems like, uh, duh, uh, uh, yeah. isn't that what we want to do? Um, but, but again, this is, uh, this is getting into the, you know, uh, you know, trying to focus on market penetration and not relying on building loyalty. Right. Again, I mentioned this a little bit earlier is that, yeah. is they were just saying that marketing's impact on, on loyalty is fairly, uh, low, yeah. whereas its input on helping to penetrate the market is high. Yeah. So, so don't put you know, too much of your budget on, mm-hmm. you know, your customer advocacy programs and your, and again, it's not to say those things are wrong. It's just to say, let's look but, at the proportion uh, of our spend and our but, effort and make sure we're putting more on market penetration. But that, I mean, that point I found interesting because most marketing teams, I don't know, maybe I'm making, in B2B, to be, need to be encouraged to spend on, on customer marketing and retention marketing. normally. <laughs> we're um we're driven to um to do a customer acquisition aren't we so it seems interesting they identify this as a risk whereas normally marketing teams in b2b are being encouraged to do to put a little bit more investment in loyalty and retention yeah and and um you know again this gets into your own personal situations yeah, uh, yeah. out there and and they're I mean, I think they're just they're trying to make a, a general point about mm-hmm. about balance, and so yeah. they would they would say, "Oh, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be working on building, right? Or you shouldn't, you know." And and, yeah. and when you get into SaaS companies, there's the whole yeah. life cycle that marketing yeah. needs to play a role in. Absolutely. So they're not saying that 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 that's wrong. Yeah. It would just be, and again, it, you know, this whole thing is about it is about growth. So mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you want growth. Yeah. You need to be thinking about how you're expanding your base and mm-hmm. investing ahead as opposed to, you know, just totally focusing, yeah. focusing on that, the, you yeah. know, the bottom of the yeah. funnel and the post funnel. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. I think we've done that one. So um, what, what's the fourth principle? Maximize mental availability, yeah. which I don't know. I would love to be able at my age, I would love to be able to do that. But right. anyway, it, it basically, it's a fancy way of saying mind share. So you uh, want to maximize the mind share of your, you know, your, your target of my, uh, market out there. And, and so, the, I mean, it's a logical extension of trying to expand, you know, uh, your customer base, expand within an account. So, you know, yeah. if we think about, you know, uh, I know a number of companies I worked at, it was like land and expand. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, we get the first project and then we figure about how we, you know, how since they have a, uh, you know, they're more familiar with us. They know we can do great stuff. So now the next project, instead of we're going to we're going to expand within the um, the organization. And there are a couple of great quotes that that uh, that um, that they reference from uh, yeah. a psychologist, Danny uh, Kahneman. Um and he said, uh, in quotes, uh, uh, human beings are to independent thinking as cats are to swimming. <laughs> they can do it, but they prefer not to. Right. Uh, and yeah. and he also said that it's like, you know, we're, our, our brain is basically orchestrated as a machine to jumping to conclusions. Mm-hmm. So that's where the familiarity becomes, uh, you know, it's just such a powerful driver. Yeah. It's like, you know, 
yes, there are, you know, five other vendors out there that does what ABC company does, but, you know, I'm familiar with ABC company. They, you know, they yeah. build a good brand, you know, and now you get into the things like the, you know, nobody ever lost their job by choosing IBM or, yeah. you know, SAP. Oh my gosh. You know, I always see their yeah. ads about if this runs on SAP and that runs yeah. on SAP and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So, yeah. so therefore, once I have a taste of working with them, now my my initial reaction is always going to be to go back to that. You know, I almost have to justify and 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 work to rationalize why I wouldn't pick somebody who I'm already favorably set up to to opt for. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, so, I think he's he's. I mean, Danny Kahneman has talked a lot about. You know, we like to think of ourselves as rational beings, and yet we're not. So you know, you've got to be. Uh, you know, you got to make sure that you're um, you're setting your brand up, which actually was going to start to roll into the next uh, the next principle. But it's right. like uh, you you know you you want to uh, you want to get the the buyer on your side favorable to you, and then expand on that. Right, um, and isn't this related to invest? I mean, this is like the investing in share of voice, isn't it? In, uh, in Absolutely, the, and and so it's a kind of similar to that first point, and uh, and the idea that you need to appear sort of multiple times in front of the customer right to to to, to resonate with them like you were just saying about uh, yeah. your sap example okay yeah. so so what's the fifth the fifth is harness the power of emotion and i was i was i was tipping my way into that as i was talking about the last one but it's like emotional messaging is far more effective um for this uh the long term or, you know, the, again, if you're investing in share of voice up front, one of your things you're trying to do is you're trying to make an emotional connection with, with the prospects. Um, Cause the rational decision or the rational messaging to make decisions is more effective when you get down to the short term, you know, you're trying to close a deal or you're trying to, you know, bring that lead over into an opportunity. Then that's where <clears throat> more of the rational thinking comes into play. So, you know, the emotional messaging is just, is, you know, priming the pump, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because uh, you're, you're trying to influence people when they're not actively making a decision. So one of the things that I thought, I mean, there's a, a company which has uh, recently been acquired, which I thought did a really good job of this. The company is Allocadia. So they're in the MarTech space of doing uh, marketing uh, resource management and, um you know, uh, automating processes, and they they had done a really good job about talking about you know how mark you're running marketing. So there's how marketing is uh, you know performing. There's how marketing how do you run marketing, and and they just you know did a lot of good work in terms of setting themselves up as a thought leader in working with CMOS and how to run their operations more effectively and in a in a category that you know. Uh, had a lot of promise, but didn't have a lot of successful vendors for a while in B two B. They just they were just kind of eating it up because they were constantly seeding the market with the fact that well, this is a company that really understands you know how to how to uh, you know solve this particular challenge for CMOs. And um, so you know you're again you're 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 laying that groundwork with setting up the brand, you know, and making people you know feel as though. You know, there. I know there are a lot of different vendors out there we could work with, but this company, you know, there's something about them that I, I really like, and so let's check them out. So, uh, you know, appealing to the emotion of um, your potential buyer again while, while you're going through the other four uh, principles, 
you know, you want to make sure that you are messaging on the emotional side and not purely on the rational. Right. Okay. Well, um, we've kind of run out of time, so I can't really comment on any of that. Um, so we're going to have to um, zoom to the um, to the song, Jeff. So, well, so, I mean, so there were the five. There was invest and share a voice, balance brand and activation, expand your custom base, maximize mental availability, harness the power of emotion. And that report was the five principles of growth in B2B marketing by the B2B Institute funded by LinkedIn. I'll include a link to in the show notes. Right. So what, what inspired your song choice for this week and what is it? Well, these guys were ad guys, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my favorite, uh, you know, TV serial programs to watch in the recent decade was Mad Men, mm-hmm. uh, which has a great theme uh, called A Beautiful Mind by RJD2, which is cool. not a robot. It's a guy. <laughs> it actually is a guy. Yeah. And, uh, and um, uh, you know, I just thought, it, it it one it's appropriate because we're talking about advertising, but yeah. you know what this guy's what these guys are talking about is how to mine the mind of our prospects. So and also, a beautiful I mean, mind. Well, it was about time the theme from Mad Men made it onto the show. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, that's splendid. And uh, will uh, and will you be back yes. next week? And I yes. think next week we're going to have another look at the pool, right? We're going to we're going to we're yeah. It's summer. Time yes. to hang out at the pool. Hang out at the Rockstar CMO Swim Pool and see what we should be fishing out of that of something that somebody's... See if we can save something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, I'll see you then. Have a good week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jeff. And that was RJD2 with A Beautiful Mind from 2006. I was a huge fan of Mad Men, so delighted to hear that again. I don't know about you, but I now fancy an old-fashioned. Sadly, since recording that on Thursday, our beloved Boston Celtics did not win the NBA final. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Anyway, I will, of course, include Jeff's links and a link to that report in the show notes. And if you have any suggestions, you can find us on the socials at Rockstar CMO or contact us through our website. On to our guest, who regular listeners might remember, as this is her fourth appearance on the show, industry chum Kathy McKnight is VP Strategy and Consulting and Chief Solver of Problems with the Content Advisory, where she shares her 20 years of global experience and expertise in content strategy, content management, intranets, customer experience, and the tech that helped make these things happen with some fabulous Fortune 100 clients. But as much as I love to geek out on all things content, this week we're not going to talk about that as Kathy shares a passion project she is working on. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Kathy. Welcome back to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm well, Ian. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Was the last time we spoke, but we were actually in person, wasn't it? Uh, it was. We had a lovely evening out in London, um, a couple of uh, beverages. And, mm. um, yes, it was, a, it was a great night out. Yes, splendid. Well, it's always good when, uh, well, I mean, I've known you forever and it's always good when our paths crossed. Um, but for people that didn't have the opportunity to meet us <laughs> in, the, in the pub, who, um, what, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So um, I am the other half of the content advisory with Robert Rose. My official title is Chief Problem Solver. And uh, I work on all things content. So content strategy, content operations, uh, 
content tech related selections and analysis. And I've just, I've been immersed in that for about 15 years now. It seems a long time now that I think about it. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm yes. I've actually been in content management a little bit longer, so maybe that um, maybe you shouldn't worry too much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and you've been on the show before, so hopefully some of the listeners will remem- remember you from that. Now, the reason why I wanted to get you on is because you've started a new project called Uncharted Journeys, and uh, some of the guests from this show are going to hopefully chat to you. And, and uh, sorry, I should ask you, what is it? So Uncharted Journeys is a passion project that I've been thinking about for a while. I've done some writing on, uh, in the past on, on women in our industry, um, in particular, and the lack of representation. And when there is representation, how often, you know, there's women in tech summit and it's in the basement, um, off to the corner of a major, um, event, right? Not on main stage, which is where the conversation should be happening. Cause you know, the, the shout out to the vendors that have done that in the past, they've had some amazing women speak, but they're isolating and they're, they're preaching to the choir, right? Because it's a room full mm. of women and it's, it's off the main stage. Whereas these women have amazing, um, stories and experience and insights to share things that everybody would benefit from hearing and really, just perpetrates the whole, you know, isolation and lack of, of, of shared space and, and stage time. So I, I got cheeky um, a couple of times um, in, a, in a couple of blog posts and I finally decided, I'm like, you know what, you, you can't just talk about it. You got to do something about it. So yeah. Uncharted uh, Journeys is a, an opportunity for me. Um, so it's very selfish. Uh, an opportunity <laughs> for me to speak to some just fabulous women um, about their journeys. And it's not all just, you know, content and marketing tech type people. Um, I'm speaking with authors and entrepreneurs, uh, agency leads, and it's fascinating. We have a, a great conversation and uh, it's been fun so far. I've got five or six in the can. Um, yeah. So it's a learning curve. I appreciate the work that you put into yours now a little <laughs> bit more. Um, you don't just get up and turn on the mic. There's some prep to be no. done. So uh, yeah. yeah, but it's been fabulous. It's booking, it's booking the guests is, is often quite something you don't appreciate. And then, well, I was very impressed with your first episode because it sounds so well produced. And that was the, one of the things that I struggled with at the beginning was getting the production right and, and investing the time in the production. So whoever's doing your production, it, it is, is it you? It is me. Um, and nice. it's a learning curve because I I've, I've, haven't done my own production before. I've worked with other um, teams like in a yeah. proper studio, but you know, GarageBand has quickly become my friend and learning a difference <laughs> between like MP3s and waves and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting to your point, I'm going to knock some wood here is I have been so flattered and humbled, um, mm-hmm. by the enthusiasm. Uh, I reached out to several industry friends, people that I've known for a long time, yeah. personal friends that I've known for a long time, uh, including yeah. yourself. And thank you so much for the uh, referrals. I've uh, got two booked um, of the individuals that you connected me with. And everybody has been so gracious and excited about um, coming on the show. So I've, I've actually, so I've, I just posted my third episode this week. Um, I've got three more in the can already and I've got six more queued up. So, um, and you're publishing weekly. I'm you? publishing weekly on Tuesdays at yeah. uh, UnchartedJourneys.net, and it, it's just nice. been it's been fantastic. 
And it's now available on all good podcasts and jukebox. Yes, right? absolutely. So <laughs> Spotify and Apple, and I'm 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 a bit challenged with Google for some reason. That's not working out so well. But you know, is anybody yeah. really listening? I think once. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what everybody else's experience is with their with their podcast. But I'm part of a marketing podcast network, and we compared some of our stats, and the majority of us get most of our traffic from Apple. Yeah, yeah, and that's what yeah. that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And the weird thing for me is I get a lot from Pandora. And if somebody's listening on Pandora, please give me a thumbs up. Um, <laughs> but I can't access Pandora because it's not available in my country, which is really strange. Oh, so isn't that interesting? I'm, I'm live on Pandora and yeah. I get a fair number of listeners are on Pandora. Hello to the listeners on Pandora. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, so that's a bit. And I like the fact that you're using a garage band, which is the or garage band, because that's the approach I took as well. And then, and everybody's talking about these new tools, and there's some great tools out there. But I'm like, I've now got my process. Yes. I can't change my process. One hundred percent. I support you in that. <laughs> did you did you get the garage band inspiration from Robert Rose? Because I think he was the one who put me onto it as well. Uh, so. No, it was the one that I had. I'd used it a couple yeah. of times before for some um, personal stuff and. Yeah. I thought, okay, well, I've used it before. Right. Let's start with what you know, right? So, yeah, and it, it was surprisingly easy with the exception of my second episode that I spent probably, you know, a good two hours editing and producing and mm. whatnot um, and inadvertently deleted one of the tracks <gasps> um, and then saved it without realizing I had deleted it. It was one of those insta seconds where you, you, yeah. you press save and then <laughs> you notice that there's a bar that's empty <laughs> So I was like, oh my gosh. So I had to totally reproduce um, Nicola, Nicola's, Nicola's part of the, the discussion. But oh, um, you know what? That's okay. It's, it's, it's part of yeah. the learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's always the way. And that, it's my Saturday morning. So it's now my hobby. It's what I do. Now. Yeah. So, and apart from how to produce a podcast, we could, probably not why I included you. Well, sorry, invited you. Included you is the wrong word. Invited you on the show. What have you learned so far from the amazing conversations we've had? I mean, I've listened to the first few and like I say, super well produced. I thought the conversation, the first conversation you had with Meg. Meg Walsh, yep. Yeah, Meg Walsh. I mean, I've seen her speak before. We've both known, I I know of her. You actually know her uh, from, you know, the old Gilbain days and stuff. Really, really good conversation, both from a content person's perspective as well as discovering her personal journey. Um, But what have you learned from all the interviews that you're doing? So some of the things that I've been surprised, because of course you start off with friends and family, right? So yeah. um, I've known everybody. <laughs> the first four yeah. that I did were, were fr- yeah. I would consider friends or, pers- or, or industry friends at least. And finding out more about them as kids. So, you know, what they wanted uh, to yeah. be when they grew up. So Nicola, I'll take as an example, she wanted to be a teacher. That is the last thing in the world I would have ever expected her to want to be, um, except for maybe to have her summers off because she loves the sun and being outside and stuff like that. Um, but one of the common threads is the, you know, once they decided what they wanted to do, so, you know, into high school or, or early university mm. college, they were focused. Like it was, yeah. that's what I want to do. And even if they started off in a program that didn't exactly align, you know, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't think, oh yeah, of course you went, started school for engineering. Of course you're going to end up in the content yeah. space. Um, but there is a natural thread and they followed their passion. It was the, the individual drive and push that each of them have shown to get to where they want. They've carved out niches in their space. They've carved their path with purpose. Um, wow. 
my journey has been a little more zigzaggy, as I say in the yeah. intro of my yeah. of the podcast. Um, yeah. But it, I'm surprised at the um, the the very purposeful. You know, they had a line of sight where they wanted to end up, and they got there. Um, mm-hmm. Not surprised that they got there. Just the fact that it was it was so purposeful. I think is is one of the things that I found interesting. Um, and of course, I asked, I asked them, you know, what's what's what would the song be for your career? Yes. And yeah. um, the diversity of music is great. <laughs> <laughs> it must be really interesting if you're talking to people you already know, because it does happen it's a bit on this podcast as well, where I talk to somebody and I never really knew. I've known them as a marketer or whatever. I didn't know what they did before. And you, you get some really interesting conversations. Um, but I, I think that purpose is interesting, because as you were saying that, um, I was thinking about my own daughters. And in fact, we were talking about it before I hit record is both of them have a very clear idea about what they want to do that was formed around sort of 18, 19. I mean, my youngest is 18 and she's recently decided this is what I want to do. And there is no, you know, uh, that's absolutely what she wants to do. And it's the same with my 21 year old as she's, she's at university. She knows exactly what she wants. Yeah. And now, so I think, I think that's really interesting. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a, it's a girl thing or whether it's just, uh, that's the way you need to be. And is that, part of do you think that determination is what women need in order to put, to go forward if I'm putting this correctly yeah no I, I get it and you know it's interesting one of the things that I I purposely don't do on mm-hmm. the podcast is talk about the fact that that we're that we're women I don't talk about uh-huh. the, okay. the struggle of finding balance between home life and career and family mm-hmm. and stuff like that because that is still a thing and it is, you know, Mm. we're going to stop using the C word soon, but that is one thing that COVID really brought back. It really Mm. set women back because it was the women that were pulled out of the workforce to compensate for the kids being at home from school, for the families that needed more support, you know, elderly parents and those kind of things. It, it didn't balance out. Whereas, you know, the workforce has, as far Mm. as participation, not pay yet, but so I, I'm purposely staying away from those conversations. Um, but I think, you know, we do as women have to, we have to push harder. We have to self-advocate stronger, louder. Um, Mm. and it's not always receptive, um, or received well, um, because you know, where, and I'm not getting on a horse or a, a soapbox here. <laughs> yourself. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting on a soapbox here, but you know, the perception is a strong woman can often be referred to as, you know, the B word or, mm. you know, and that kind of thing. Whereas for men, it's strong. And I've bumped into that on, I think in every gig that I've, I've ever worked at, um, mm-hmm. with the exception of my current one. Um, yeah. and, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, so I try and stay away from that. You know, this isn't meant to be And the women that I speak to. I've had two people say, you know, I don't want to talk about that stuff. It's like, don't worry, we're not going to, because that's yeah, not yeah. what this is about. This is about you. This is about your journey and really sharing, hopefully inspiring, not just other women, but, um, you know, anybody who wants to figure out what they want to do, mm. that it's okay not to have a clear path, that it's okay to try different things and that it's the in the trying of new things and different things that you learn and move forward. Um, yeah. So, got a few, uh, quite a few things that I want to ask you about. The first one is is I, while I completely absolutely agree because women tend to be the carers, COVID more negatively affect, affected uh, women in the workplace. But do you think that the fact that COVID is has has 
led the line on flexible working for everybody. And I was in a management team meeting this morning and we were actually discussing this and, and the way that people are now working and that we as an employer need to give people a bit more space and a bit more flexibility in their day. Do you think that that's actually ultimately going to help everybody? So men that want to get more involved with childcare, women that want to spend more time on their careers. Do you think we've at, that actually COVID, as it washes out, is actually going to have more of a positive effect for women than the negativity it had initially? It should. Um, <laughs> it should, yeah. It should. But, oh, my God. But on this issue, so much is should. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it, really, it really should because, yeah. you know, I've been very, very fortunate. I've been traveling with my job for, you know, 15 yeah. years, and my kids are 18 yeah. and 21. Um, so my husband has been nothing but 100% supportive. There's never been the, you're traveling again, right? Mm -hmm. It's always been, okay, what do we need to do? I've, I've had the good fortune of having um, family that's close who stepped in mm -hmm. as when the kids were young. Um, you know, we never had to have a babysitter. We, we did mm -hmm. childcare, but, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, he stepped up, no questions asked, and always has. There's yeah. other men who, oh, I wish I could, but, you know, my, my work doesn't allow for it. And now that it does, you know, they'll find another reason why. Or that flexibility yeah. will become more time to golf, right? <laughs> Seriously. I, I, like, I've Maybe. already seen it. So it's... it's yeah, but um, that's a negotiation between partners. I mean, my, well, my, my wife is a, 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 chose to be a stay-at-home mum. And I think that at, one, at some point, our society needs to level up to say, look, that's just as good a choice for a woman as as being, you know, as hustling, right? And we all need to give, be given those options. Right? Listen, working, being a stay-at-home mom is the toughest job you can do. <laughs> Honestly, there, I mean, my kids are still here to tell their story because I was not a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> how, can, how can you say that when she's married to me? Good Lord. Full trip, full trip. <laughs> Full transparency, and after this call, I'm sending your bottle, your wife, a bottle of champagne. Um, <laughs> but it's, no, it um, is a choice, and it, I have friends yeah. who chose to stay at home, and yeah. they're fantastic mothers, and they they yeah. did wonderful things, and I respect them immensely. There is zero judgment, and people who judge women or men who choose to take that big of a um, a part of their children's lives, then there's something wrong with them, not with the people staying home. Yeah. And I, and I mean, my, my sister runs her own business is, is very um, focused on her business and she's had to juggle those. And you can, you know, a lot of the conversations, uh, if we talk about that kind of stuff, is that, is that split for her? Is there, you know, of um, trying to focus on both and it's, it's incredibly difficult. But anyway, we've, we've, <laughs> we've straight there. We've, uh, we're 15 okay. minutes in already, Kathy. I knew this would happen, but yes, it, fa fascinating talk. And if, um, if I was to interview you for your own show, I think you've shared it already. What experience would you share about your experience? I, uh, Apart from having, um, a great partnership. Yeah. So partnership, whether it's yeah. work, whether it's personal family, whatever it is, having that support is really, really important. But mm -hmm. self-advocacy, going for what you want. I've tried to instill in, in our kids that if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that if you come and ask me for a car, that I'm going to buy you one. <laughs> but you yeah. don't know if you don't ask, right? So mm -hmm. I think asking for what you want, um, being able to back that up so you don't go into... 
um, you know, into a, a meeting with your your manager and say, hey, I want a 20% increase in pay. You go in and have the conversation with your manager saying, hey, I've looked at studies. I understand the bandwidth. I understand there's other people who are doing my job who are getting paid more than I am. I think this mm-hmm. is fair and equitable pay, and this is why. So always have backup. I'm a big have the data behind you. Don't just mm-hmm. ask, you know, have a reason why. Um, and don't be afraid to try new things. I mean, my career has been all over the place. Um, but I have taken something away from each role, from yeah. each boss or manager, um, and from each environment. I've learned. I've worked for startups on a few occasions. I've I've had my own startup all the way up to, you know, being a serial number um, three three six five one four seven um, at IBM. <laughs> you remember your number? We we had serial numbers. We didn't have employee oh. IDs. We had serial numbers, which tells you a little <laughs> bit about IBM. And I learned very quickly that I am not a big company girl. I love working yeah, with big yeah. companies. We've had the I, I, I totally consider it a privilege to work with some of the largest, like Fortune fifty companies in yeah. the world. And yeah. we get a line of sight into things that even people in their own companies don't get to see. And I love that, but I am not a big company person. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I will never go back to that. Um, and it's, it's just like we talk about with strategy is you got to know what you, what you want to do and what you like to do as much as you've got to know is what you don't want to do and mm-hmm. what doesn't work. And you don't learn that unless you try. Yeah, yeah. What I quite enjoy, and I wanted to say something when, during your last point is, when I when I read some of this advice uh, for for women, I think so much of it. I mean, I'm slightly introverted. I'm not. I'm the quiet. Off so often sometimes the quiet person in a meeting and all that, or the imposter syndrome. All of these things that I read, these experiences that women are going through. Uh, I'm. I, this probably this would get me into trouble, won't it? If I say I, I'm just saying I understand. I don't know. What, it's just I. I often get quite a lot from these conversations. People like you, you have with your guests in terms of their experience, because I think a lot of it is good advice for everybody. And I think it's the same with if you're looking for a pay rise or you're looking to advance. Like you say, if you don't ask, you don't get. But support it with with the data you have, and I think that's good advice for everybody, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, I know, I know, Kathy, if I was saying anything wrong, you'd, you'd pull me up on it. So 100%. <laughs> and, and what I think is interesting, too, is, you know, you, you talk about being an introvert. Um, and, you know, anybody who met you wouldn't think that um, <laughs> when you're out when you're out having conversation yeah, and, yeah. and you turn yeah. on this persona. Um, which yeah. is exactly like me. I would, you know, my perfect day is, we were talking before we started, you know, yeah. sitting in my yard with my garden and a book yeah. um, and some good music um, underneath our parasol and, you know, just being, um, you know, or going for a bike ride. But I'm, I am perfectly happy to spend time and more comfortable spending yeah. time alone than I am in a big group. But that's another thing that I've learned is, you know, I can get up in, in front of a stage and talk to a thousand people, which I've done. Yeah. But yeah. God, don't invite me to a cocktail party where I don't know anybody. <laughs> or a networking event. Yeah. Oh my God, no, the please. Worst. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, can you believe it, Kathy? We're up to time. Oh. And I had so many other things I was going to ask you about your day job. So I'd have to bring you back to talk about some of the things you've been talking about. And we can actually get back to talking about content. But your show is fascinating. Excellent start. Really nicely produced. And I would encourage anybody to go listen to that. Thank you so That's much. Uncharted Journeys. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. 
And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, Kathy? Well, now uh, unchartedjourneys.net, as well mm-hmm. as uh, the usual Twitters at Kathy McKnight and LinkedIn. Um, and also, um, Robert and I have just recently launched um, Experience Advisors, which is a, ah. a new coin and NFT mm-hmm. um, dabbling into the Web3 world. So uh, check that out, Experience Advisors. And yeah. Um, yeah. Please that's, and if that's experience, I know that's experienceadvisors.io, and right. I've actually got uh, I'm actually got Robert on the show later. Or I'm I'm recording this week's episode with Robert later today, okay. so hopefully he'll he'll share a bit more of that. I'm well. I'm, I'm sure he will. And um, for anybody listening, any ideas on great women to interview, or if you are one who would like to be interviewed, please reach out. Um, I'd love to connect. I will include the all of your links, Kathy, in the show notes, and I. I encourage anybody, whatever walk of life they come from, to talk to you anytime. So, you <laughs> see <should laughs> them? All of it. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. Uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, Ian. Thank you, Kathy. We intended to briefly chat about our podcast, Uncharted Journeys, and then dive into some of her work, but I got a bit carried away there. Great topic, and I'll definitely be getting Kathy back to talk about content. In the meantime, I recommend listening to her show, which I will link to in the show notes. Right, it's Friday evening. Time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the end of the week and welcome to the bar. Um, And boy, looking at my... uh, portfolio in the stock market and my cryptocurrency holdings, I need a drink. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Um, it is, it has been a rocky week. That is for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm best not to open any of those little apps up on my phone. Yes. Um, you know, here's the thing this week, uh, I decided that we were going to have, uh, something to make us feel better about where the economy Ooh. is right now. <laughs> um, and so it, it, it's, a, you know, it, it's, it's a drink that we're just calling a bad day at work. <laughs> <laughs> and it works if you're feeling like you need to just sort of, you know, forget the week that was passed or forget the uh-huh. economy. Actually, funny enough, I had a really good week yeah. um, when it comes to my own. I was going to say the same, actually. I said, I've had yeah. quite a good week, too. And today has been like the hottest day of the year for like ever or something like that. And so we're, I mean, you know what it's like with us in the UK. If it gets too hot, then it's too hot and we complain. But, you know, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we've had a beautiful day today and uh, and I've had a very good productive week. So, but I'm all up for drinking, whatever it is, mate. So what, what, what's in a drink? What's, what's a, a drink for a bad day at work? Well, here we go. So, <laughs> you know, as I have been wont to do on this show when talking about cocktails, that I very rarely use sugar. That's true. Um, and but boy, is this drink just loaded with it um, <laughs> <laughs> because we need it. So here's here's what here's the way it works. It's it's called the bad day at work, and mm-hmm. we get a sugar. Now the recipe actually calls for quite a bit, up to a cup of sugar. We're not oh going to use that much. What is it, Coca Cola? <laughs> we're not quite ready that that depressed, right? Um, yeah. But a good amount of sugar, um, uh-huh. and and then 
your the best gin you have, um, mm-hmm. which does not is well, it's going to be a little difficult for you, but um, <laughs> not 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 too difficult. Um, a really good gin, and then here's the the key ingredient, which is clementine oranges, which is a really key uh, uh, distinction, not just normal oranges. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually probably easier for you to find in the UK than it is for me here yes. in California to find clementines. Um, but the clementines have a very specific taste. So that's the, the one sort of key core ingredient there. And, um, and then you want the juice, eh, probably three to five clementine oranges. Well, you'll need this uh, amount of uh, juice mm-hmm. for, for this. So you mix that together um, and then uh, basically do this in a shaker, the, the gin, the orange juice, um, and the sugar so mm-hmm. that you can, um, basically, uh, pour this into, uh, you know, whether you're going to pour it into a tumbler or whatever your, mm-hmm. your favorite glass is, then a splash of seltzer water, or, you know, it could be club soda, but sparkling yeah. water is probably a little better yeah. for this. And that will be a nice refreshing drink for a hot day, but also Assuming you've put the right amount of gin in, which, you know, <laughs> I, I put quite a bit in because, you know, after I saw the amount of juice that three to five clementines produces and yeah. the amount of sugar there, I yeah. said, eh, better add a lot more gin. So I added mm-hmm. a lot of gin there and it, and it makes a lovely, wonderful uh, way to forget what's going on in the world. <laughs> I can't imagine the combination of all that sugar and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not one that you want to have more than a couple of because you're going to wake up the next day with a, a splitting headache, which is not going to make you feel better about the, the rest of the world, but it uh, may or may not all make right. you feel better about your own life. All right, well, I'll attempt to make that very drink using the ingredients on my desktop bar. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to replace all of that sugar with uh, just some really large ice cubes, if that's all right. So I've got, I've got, I've put in some some ice there. I'm going to go with um, the nicest gin that I can find, which would be Hendrix. So oh. pour some of that in, and I think you're that's right. On, that's Let's in the range generous. of nice gins for sure. Yeah. Oh, it is in it. Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry, I wasn't saying it was the the nicest gins. It's one of a range of gins one could enjoy, right? And then. Um, you're right. Clementines are very easy to find here, only uh, not so much on my desktop bar. So I'm going to trust the folks at uh, at Fever Tree to uh, to decide what it is that I'm going to put in here. Now, I bet you can get orange flavored tonic water, but mine's using the most ah. English of clementines, the cucumber. And uh, <laughs> the cucumber. So let me right. give this get the lid back on that. Right. Oh, that's very nice. Very refreshing. I can and I see could that. drink yeah. I could drink one of these after a bad day at work, that's for sure. Every probably every week. <laughs> there it is. And what are we calling those, Robert? Well, we're calling it a bad day at work, but uh it it could really fit into just about any kind of uh, <laughs> feeling of, you know, disappointment, let's say, in 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 the world uh around us. Fortunately, I'm not getting the sweetness, so hopefully the uh, the big headache and the the buzzing sugar rush isn't going to hit me quite so hard. So uh, I'm 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 hoping this interview goes well on that basis. <laughs> well, this conversation in the bar it's not really an interview. Is it? And so where um, where are we going to be drinking these uh, amazingly refreshing yet sweet drinks? 
Well, that's a really good question, you know, because, you know, however we're feeling these days about uh, Mm -hmm. the economy, one of the things that I'm feeling particularly disappointed in is how expensive it is to travel anywhere right now. And how hard it is and how, you know, here it's crazy. It is just absolutely insane. I just got back from Cleveland where I, and I'm not even exaggerating this, I spent the same amount of money that I spent last year to go to London as I spent oh to go to Cleveland. Uh, and it's, that is just, that, that was sort of the tipping point for me. Yeah. Um, and Cleveland is lovely. Let's be everything. honest, London is better than Cleveland. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've been and to apparently it's further away too. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would think. Um, yes. In any event, uh, uh, I, I would, you know, I, I think we have to, uh, this is one of those times where, I think what we're going to do is be virtual. Like you and I are, are, are virtually meeting and having this wonderful, disappointing cocktail because being at home in each of our respective homes <laughs> after we finish the discussion will probably make us feel better. Plus, we're going to be in no in no condition to go anywhere after, after finishing this. So. Well, I mean, that was the idea of the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, wasn't it? Because it started in lockdown. It was where we were going to transport ourselves. So finally, we've done full circle and we're actually virtually taking our bar virtual. That, that's right. Vir- <laughs> virtually taking the bar virtually <laughs> in person or something. Yes. <laughs> And so uh, in our virtual bar, and and this seems a bit strange because I'm actually asking you in the virtual bar what we're going to talk about. Um, Once a conversation has turned from how many times we can get virtual into a single sentence, what would we talk about, Robert? Well, I think it's about giving our content and marketing strategy our sort of mid-year checkup, right? We are Mm -hmm. right here at the mid-year point, um, Mm -hmm. almost exactly, in fact, by the time this airs. And uh, when we think about the mid-year checkup, one of the things that I I have found useful, uh, especially this year with everything going on, you know, you've got COVID challenges and global conflict and the economy and inflation and all the things that we just talked about, ugly politics, certainly here in the US, all of it seemingly like distracting and very distracting. And the interesting thing is what it made me think of. And I was thinking of this as I was speaking with uh, a colleague uh, last week was this uh, concept of, of loss aversion. And, and, the, and that it's a whole thing, the idea of loss aversion, which is a, you know, it's a psychological thing, which is, it describes basically how, people feel the pain of losses more than they pleasure of gains. In other words, what research has shown is that someone who loses a hundred bucks will lose more satisfaction than that same person would gain from winning a hundred bucks. And so it affects us all the time. Right. And especially those of us in marketing, you know, I mean, the perfect example of this is the classic good, still good advice that says, you should send an email out to every one of your, you know, subscribers on your newsletter list and say, basically, if you don't re-opt into this thing, you're going mm-hmm. to get unsubscribed. And we're way more, we don't do that. We never do that. We we're scared to death of doing that because we're yeah. more afraid of losing subscribers than we are excited about the possible increase in the engagement levels that we would yeah. get from doing that. And so 
There's a related theory, and this is what really made me think of it, which is um, to loss aversion. It's called loss attention. And what loss attention is, is where, where we tend to allocate more attention to a task or a situation if it involves loss than mm-hmm. when it doesn't. In other words, our attention is focused on the thing that we don't want to miss based on the fact that we don't want to lose rather than something that we want to win. There's a wonderful, if not very lighthearted example of this um, that you can actually see on YouTube where there's a, 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 there's a, it's a psychological test that's really fun to take. And I'm going to spoil it by telling you what the ending is. But basically, <laughs> if you go, the test basically tells you, watch this video very carefully of this group of people and only pay attention to the people in the white t-shirts and how many times, count how many times they pass the basketball to each other. And there are like, you know, six or seven or eight people, you know, three or four of them wearing white t-shirts and they're all passing the basketball back and forth. And your attention is solely focused on not losing this game or this, you know, this challenge. And you watch all the people in white and what you inevitably miss is the gorilla, the person in the gorilla suit who walks through the middle of the crowd, beats its chest and walks off. And when they've done this test with groups of people, only 42% of the people who are actually watching the video actually see the gorilla. Wow. And that's a great uh, example of this loss attention where we're so focused on not losing the challenge that we see, don't see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And now here, I, to be clear, I'm not suggesting that we need to ignore all the experiences that are happening around us or the economy or crypto yeah. or the world global conflicts and all those kinds of things that are going on right now. But as we do our mid-year checkup when it comes to our marketing and especially our content strategy of what we're doing, it can be good to sort of just take a, be aware, be aware yeah. of that, be aware of all those distractions because one of the things that we can, that can happen is we can overlook progress that we've made basically by not being aware, or we can fail to see what's working despite the fact that we have current conditions, right? You know, one of the, like we were talking about in the beginning, you know, right now my business is pretty darn good and it's despite the current conditions or what may be failing only because of those conditions. In other words, supply chain and all the things that are happening right now could be causing us to discount initiatives that may be working in a normal world, but may not be here. So Mm -hmm. it's just being aware. It's taking that. And the way I find that best to do that is just take a pause, take a deep pause from everything, take a deep pause from what's going on in the world, from what's going on in business. And I find that there are these five simple questions that you can write down and take a time to really Mm -hmm. write answers to. And it just helps me with one, basically, one, list out the three to five most significant areas of progress in the last six months, let's say, if we're doing a half-year checkup. But it could be last week if you want to do this weekly. But the five most significant areas of progress in the last six months. Two, what are the biggest rocks that are in your way? Where are you stuck? And be really specific. Three, what are the top three actions that you could take to become unstuck? And by the way, doubling down or letting something ride, that counts as an action. Then four, what's the best case and worst case results of each of those actions? And then lastly, 
What's the biggest learning? What's the biggest learning you've had from the last six months or month or again, whatever time period you're doing to reflect on and work on that and just, and just take a pause and answer those. Sometimes I take a week to answer those questions. Sometimes I take, you know, 10 minutes to answer those questions, but taking that pause can be really helpful in, in doing your mid-year checkup for whether it's marketing or content or really anything that you're doing in your life. I love it. And I've often heard you talk about, um, you know, your goals and priorities and how to fit. So I, I really like this kind of advice. So it, for you personally, do you do this like kind of monthly basis? I mean, you said you said that sometimes it takes you a week to come up with these questions. What what sort of pause are we talking about here? And what 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 should people do with these five questions? Well, what I do is I just I just turn off the outside world to the extent you can for you know, to, to really reflect on these questions. And, you know, like if I'm doing a half year checkup, um, I'll probably take, you know, multiple days to do this. Right. You know, in other words, I'll, I'll write out my answers. I'll think about it, look at it, you know, consider it in context with everything else and, and really write it, write it out, write all of it out over the course of the day. Now, if I'm doing this on, like reflecting on a week or reflecting on the last month. Yeah. Maybe I'll spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes doing this. And, you know, it's a great, by the way, exercise to do one of my favorite times to do this is after a keynote or, you know, a class that you've taken or, you know, something where you've actually sat for some considerable amount of time getting input. Yeah. And it's just a great way to process input and, you know, so we, we often get all this input after we read a book or watch a keynote or take a class or do something and we never process it, right? We just yeah. sort of let it sit there. And this can be a great way to sort of organize your process for all of that input you just received and see what might be the things, you know, you may want to do about it. You know, like, what do you want to do about this keynote mm. that you just listened to or this class mm. you just took? I find it just great in terms of a mid-year checkup. It's just yeah. something that I like to take a pause on. But the most important part of that is shutting out, you know, not not being distracted by basically the gorilla walking through beating his yeah. chest, right? You know, yeah. it's it's basically being focused in on not letting the distractions of the world affect our the decisions we make mm-hmm. in a negative way. Ah, oh, this is really cool. I can imagine this model working with um, with teams. Even if you if you're looking at if you're reflecting as a team on on what you've achieved as a marketing team, um, so it'd be interesting if you if you ever use that in your workshops. I think that's great. And and here on Rockstar CMO, we love lists of five. You know, we're always talking about lists of five in the session with Jeff. So yeah, five simple questions. I like that. And um, have you written down these five simple questions anyway? I you know I have I have. Yeah. Uh, it is part of, it is the very first, it is the end of the very first module of my workshop class. Oh, wow. Um, and it is the, uh, it, it sort of helps tee up the rest of, you know, a lens to look through the rest of the modules. Uh-huh. So um, I've written it down there. Uh, and then uh, it is also, uh, it is also part of stuff that I'm writing for. Of course, I've written it down for, you know, our own website and, yes. and those kinds of things. And your own website would be? Oh, thank you. Wow. <laughs> Teeing up the... Um, basically, you can find all of this uh, wonderful stuff at our little hovel on the web called contentadvisory.net. Splendid. And you've just kicked off something new. Did you want to talk about that? 
Sure. Yeah, we've got a new thing that uh, it's a little community um, for built for. It's called Experience Advisors, and it's really built for those that are focused on the topic or the you know the the idea of customer experience and content. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean? It means well, if you're uh, you know we separate these. Uh, folks, not by segmentation, but just simply by, you know, interest um, into, you know, four areas, basically. We've got strategists, those who actually advise clients or their bosses or their teams on the use of content, customer experience, and and media. Um, We've got storytellers, those who actually create this kind of content uh, and stories. And then we have students um, who are... uh, basically those who want to learn about, you know, the trends that are going on in, and these can be young people or old people, quite yeah. honestly, um, who are interested in learning about content experiences and, and, and customer experiences. And the last are, are what we call sparkers, which are maybe somebody who's not really on the inside of customer experience or creating those contents or anything like that, but, you know, can spark an idea. Can nice. can be that that which ignites something disruptive or interesting in the way that we think about uh, in the way that we think about content. So, nice. yeah, experienceadvisors.io is our new community where it's application. Mm-hmm. We're basically not trying to set up a big velvet, you know, rope <laughs> or anything like that with a big bouncer in front, but we do make it by application only, just to make sure that we're, you know, having the community be people who are interested in participating with that student's mind rather than somebody who's going to come in and pitch something or something yeah, like that. Geez. Yeah, you got LinkedIn groups for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds fantastic. And you know that I'll be there. So, And then apart from the contentadvisory.net and experienceadvisors.io, when people spin the dial on the internet, where are they going to find you, Robert? Oh, you'll mostly find me on LinkedIn these days. I'm finding LinkedIn to be very valuable these days. And you know, as as long as Elon keeps his mitts off Twitter, you know, I'm uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter as well. <laughs> Splendid. All right. And then, most importantly, will you be in the bar next week? Of course. <laughs> I will see you then. Thank you, mate. Have a good week. Thank you, Robert. We love five steps here, and I'll definitely be giving that process a go. So, that's a wrap on episode 119 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Kathy, and Robert for sharing their insight. Please say hello to them. I'll include all their links in the show notes, which you can find on your favorite podcast app or rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and jiving along with us. So, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let us know on the socials or drop a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, as you heard, Jeff and Robert will be back. I have another returning guest, Christopher Willis, CMO of Acrolinks, and I'm really looking forward to that. Until then, have a great week and I hope you'll join us again next week here at Rockstyle CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.